Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. What should I look for in trying to find a local church home? Every week, visitors come and go in local churches trying to discover if this is the right church for them. And the question is, is do they know what they're supposed to be looking for? Uh, We fear that so many evangelicals today are looking for things in the local church that bear no weight in Scripture. Do they have a youth group? What kind of music do they play? And of course, those may be questions to consider, but we must never start there. That's allowing the world to shape the way that we think about the church. Now, yesterday we talked about why the church exists. The church exists for the glory of God. Ephesians 3.10 says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the church exists to display the supremacy and beauty and glory of God. Now, in order for that to be true of any local church, it's vital to see who is the head of the church and how does this head exercise his headship. So, brothers, let's just start right there. Who is the head of the church? Right. <clears throat> That's really simple, really basic, but uh, foundational, that Jesus Christ is the head of his church, and he's not an absentee landlord. Um, he's not uh, just you know, over on the other side of the universe somewhere uh, dispatching orders for his church. He is the living, reigning uh, he's Lord of all, but he is particularly uh, in the New Testament head of his church, and uh, so we we look to him, uh, the living head, uh, that that his his authority is direct, immediate, supreme over his church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In Colossians one, <clears throat> it says that he Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So those are incredible statements about who Jesus Christ is. And then it says, and he is the head of the body, the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have to worry about who is the head of the church. Um, but I think it's important to note that as... Phil was saying he's not an absentee ruler. Um, what happens is as he knows that he is going to ascend into heaven and uh, sit at the right hand of the Father on high and govern over and rule over um, his people and his church from the heavens, he appointed, if you will, stewards to exercise authority in and through through his his name, and that's the leadership of, of the church. Those are elders and deacons, and their authority comes from Jesus Christ, and they have that authority 
as they align themselves to the word of Christ, which is the word of God. So they only have that authority as they are um, true to the principles that God has set up for his kingdom. Absolutely. You know, I actually don't know any evangelicals personally who would disagree with the theological principle that Jesus is the head of the church. Right. I don't know any. That's right. But I do know a lot of evangelicals who would functionally deny it. Um, so, you know, 500 years ago, as the reformers were arguing against the Roman Catholic doctrine that the Pope is the head of the church, right? Mm-hmm. But the, I don't think theologically they would have denied that that Jesus instituted the church. Right. Um, but it seems that our danger today is not so much arguing against the the uh, you know the idea that there's this one pope five thousand miles away, but rather there's five thousand popes one mile away. You know, and yeah. I'm not arguing against denominationalism. I actually think denominations are a gift from God, but I am arguing against much of the one man model of church leadership that is very indicative of American evangelicalism. Sure. What we often see is this idea of the celebrity pastor model or the CEO pastor model. So, first of all, is that a healthy model of church leadership? Yeah, I want to. I just want to add here before we answer that question. Hey, wait a minute. That's my line. <laughs> <laughs> that the that the reason uh, that I don't wear skinny jeans on Sunday is that I don't want people to idolize me. <laughs> and I I'm going to just insert uh, here that I don't <laughs> think if you wore skinny jeans, people would idolize you. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. Okay. Anyway, I thought that was a function of my humility. That was the funniest but, joke you have told all yeah. year, Phil. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Uh, you were in skinny jeans. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a bad thought. That's a bad image. Um, but yeah, we do have a tendency. Um, we do have a tendency to idolize human leaders. And this is something human that, you know, the, the church has dealt with and that all human organizations deal with uh, from the beginning of time. And it's because people really are sheep. Um, you know, Jesus looked out on the people of, uh, of, of Israel and, and had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And because of that, people will tend to, you know, we, we are tempted to um, idolize human leaders and exalt human leaders uh, in a way that is uh, not in keeping with the headship of Christ over his church. And I think it's easy to tell when you've done that because the, the, when you're doing decision-making within the church, if the first thought in your, your mind is, I wonder what pastor thinks of this. Instead of, I wonder what God's word says to this. Yes. Then I think you have an, uh, a fairly good idea of misplaced authority within the church. Mm-hmm. That no, Jesus Christ is no longer the head of the church. Um, at least functionally, like Josh was saying earlier, the pastor has become the head of the church in an unhealthy way. There's a, a way in which the pastor is part of the headship of the As church under in, shepherd. in a healthy way, which I think is Josh's question eventually that we're going to circle back to. <laughs> but there is a, a sense in which there's an unhealthy way, and if your thir- first thought is, um, what's leadership think instead of what does Christ think, I think that reveals it. Yeah. Yes. And let me say, I, I, there's few things more frustrating to a preacher who is faithful to the text 
There's few things more frustrating than to say to the congregation, please open your Bible and look at this text with me. And you look around and you see some eyes looking down at their text, but there's also some other eyes that don't look at the text, they just look up at me. And I and some, I just I, sometimes I want to stop at that moment and say, stop looking at me. Yeah. Look at the text. Let's look at it together. Now, I'm going to talk about it because I'm the preacher and that's what I do. But I want, I want you to look at this text with me. Don't look at me. Don't, don't hang on my words. Let's hang on the words of God's word. Yeah. So can, can we please get back to my question? <laughs> no. <laughs> We're going, going where I want to go. I, I am just going to say that I was basically worthless after Phil started talking about him in skinny jeans that I've been having trouble pulling it back together. So I'm going to try to be with you. Okay, What's your so question? here's the question. Is that one... So the Reformers rightly argued against the one-man model of the Catholic Church, but now we have our own flavor of the one-man model, the yep. CEO model, the celebrity pastor yep. model. Uh, is that a healthy model of church leadership? So the one-man one man type of top-down leadership, is that healthy? No, and... Um, I, I always think back when this issue comes up. Now I'm a, I'm a Presbyterian, so I uh, and part of what that means. You don't need to apologize. I know. For that. I, 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 <laughs> it sounded like an apology. Well, you can all aspire to be Presbyterians, <laughs> but um, th- th- what it means is is church government by elders. That we don't we do not in our form of church government have one person who makes all the decisions and calls all the shots, kind of a mini Pope, as you were indicating, Josh, um, that uh, we believe, and this was what John Calvin, when when he sought to reform the church according to the word of God back in the 16th century, that uh, Calvin saw that the way decisions were made in the early church in the book of Acts was that you didn't have one exalted individual you know, uh, Peter was not the Pope, uh, James was not the Pope, you know, just making decisions as an individual, but they, they came together as a body. Yeah. And the classic example is the Jerusalem Council of Acts 15, that they came together as a body and prayed and discerned together. They were men of mature faith who knew Christ, who came together as a body to make a decision, and they didn't leave it up to one individual. Mm-hmm. And that set the model uh, for what church leadership is all about. Titus 1 says, this is why I left you, Paul's writing to Titus, in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Mm-hmm. The model throughout the entire New Testament is that as churches were established, elders were also established as leadership positions and then also to help the elders be able to do the work that they were called to, which was to pray and to, to proclaim the, the truths of the uh, word of God. Deacons were set up so that the, the elders had the ability to do their main calling, which was prayer and preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and that model permeates all the New Testament, and throughout the New Testament you also see the, the qualifications for those office, but also a call for prayer for those that are in leadership position and also this this clear understanding that those that are in leadership are held to a higher standard mm-hmm. um, because they're accountable um, to God. They're under shepherds is what Peter would, would refer to them, that the great shepherd of the church is Jesus Christ. 
those in leadership, elders, are under shepherds representing Jesus Christ, and the duty of the people of the church is to pray for the under shepherds that they would be true and faithful to the great shepherd. Mm-hmm. And that model is all throughout the New Testament, and it's healthy because it takes into account our sinful hearts. Yeah, And so one person with, with unchecked, if you will, power is not a positive thing. Yeah. Um, well, and it creates a, a an environment of um, anxiety or hostility because if I am a if I'm one of the associate pastors, just to use that language, uh, and the 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 senior pastor is the head pastor, he's the CEO. Well, then I might have a temptation to agree with everything that the CEO pastor is saying so that I don't lose my job. Whereas with a plurality of, I'm just talking very practically, mm-hmm. as with a, but with a plurality of elders, that preaching pastor has the same um, responsibility before God as every other elder does. And so he has one vote, as it were, on the elder board. He can't just veto everybody else. And I think that's a huge protection for the local church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've I've actually communicated communicated to our elders in our tradition. Um, typically, the the pastor would be the chairman of the elders, and I've actually come in and said I never will hold that title because I want the church to understand that this church is elder run, yep. not pastor run. Yeah, right. And so I don't want to give the impression at all that somehow I am over anybody else, and I am in a position of that it's got to be my way or else it's, it's not good. Yeah. Okay, 15 seconds, Phil. Can you answer how, does the, how do these models blur Christ's headship over the church? Um, you mean like the, the model of power in, in one individual? Yep. Yeah, uh, well, because uh, the people will look to that one individual the temptation will be to look to one individual rather than to Christ and to a, a body that's, that's discerning his will. It, in, in some ways, it takes, it takes glory away from Christ and puts it on an individual. And that's not only a, tempta- a temptation for the church, it's a deadly, deadly temptation for that individual. Yeah. And we've seen plenty of, in, the, in recent years, we've seen plenty of quote-unquote celebrity pastors fall yeah. fall into sin. And uh, because I, I think a big contributing factor to that was a sense of uh, an inflated sense of importance and, yeah. and self-glory. Well, we will continue this um, on the program tomorrow. See you next time.